Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Well, we have an incredible guest today. I, I try to find the most incredible guests. All the guests are incredible. It's just hard. You know, you get another person. They're incredible. We have an incredible guest her name is Tiana Roser, and she wrote an incredible book called Awakening Transformation, A Beginner's Guide to Becoming Your Higher Self. And we're going to talk to her about that in just a second, but I need you to do something for me. Check out waveblock.com. They're a company that has created products to protect you. The devices that we use, these Apple iPhones, the Apple AirPods emit EMF radiation, electromagnetic frequencies that are damaging to the human body. In fact, all Bluetooth headphones and cell phones emit these radioactive frequencies. WaveBlock has created stickers that are made of materials that reflect the radiation away from your body. They have adhesive so you can stick them on your AirPods, your Bluetooth AirPods, and your Apple iPhones of various styles. Check out waveblock.com and you can see which product you need to protect yourself with. Research has shown that this type of radiation destabilizes the covalent bonds in DNA. There are also documented cases of genetic damage, reproductive defects, neurological degeneration and nervous system dysfunction, immune system dysfunction, cancer, and other serious health concerns. So you need this product to stay safe in this modern world. These products are here. You may know people that have them. Until we find out a different substitute, we need to protect ourselves. Waveblock.com has the protection you need. And we have a discount code for 20% off your order. No other podcast, no other place on the internet has that 20% off code. And that is the word midnight, M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. That will get you 20% off your order. So please, people, if you want to be protected in this world of so much radiation all over the place, cell towers, Wi-Fi routers, Bluetooth emitters, all of these different situations... You need to protect yourself as much as you can. So please check out this RF shielding, the five-star reviews, the product demos. Check it out at waveblock.com. And also, let me tell you about Blue Cobra CBD, the highest quality CBD oil on the market. Why is that? That is because the CBD is extracted from the hemp in a proprietary way meaning no other company has it. This proprietary extraction method is known as the HIT extraction method, and it was developed by a man named Howard Hitt, a.k.a. Big H. This is a family business. He makes these in small batches, and there really is no other CBD product like this out there, period. I can't say this 
professionally and personally, but Howard Hitt, if you ask him directly at bluecoverCBD.com, he will tell you that it cured his cancer and diabetes. I can't say that. I can't make that claim. Talk to him. Let him make that claim to you directly. He's ready for you to contact him. This has been one of the most powerful products that I've ever introduced into my life. Okay. It's changing me personally. We talked about Tignot Han. He's talking about feeding these things that cause you stress and anxiety in your life. Having a little bit of assistance to keep you from falling into old habits is what stops you from feeding those things. This product has helped with that. It's made me a better person. That's what I mean by that. I'm more myself. I'm my, actually my best self and I'm not exaggerating. You can email me directly if you want me to tell you. There's no chemicals, there's no solvents, there's no gases used in the extraction of the CBD from the hemp. It's completely natural. It's 100% organic. The hemp is 100% organic. And there's a money back guarantee. If you do not like the product for some reason, you can get your money back. If you had to pay shipping, you get that back too. You even get to keep the product. And we do have a Midnight on Earth Blue Cobra CBD discount code. It is M-I-D-C-B-D that will get you free shipping off any order and the Continental 48 United States international listeners, please check with your local laws and your local regulations before ordering. And Howard's available for you as well. Feel free to contact him at bluecobracbd at gmail.com is his email. So I just wanted to let you know, every time I talk about this, he created a new version of his product called King Cobra, which is considerably stronger and for me, that is what helped me heal. It's helping me heal. It's helping me be my best self. And if you want me to tell you more about it, I'm fully available and happy to tell you more. So please, everyone, check out Blue Cobra CBD, the King Cobra, the Little King Cobra, and now the Wild Thing line for pets. Check that out. All of those things are available at bluecobracbd.com, where everyone say it with me. And please go there. Blue Cobra, cbd.com. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click the button that connects us so you know exactly what's going on. And of course, most importantly, Tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of topics. Maybe somebody that's new to these type of topics and is awakening and wants to transform. You know that person, bring them here. Midnightonearth.com. All right, so we got that out of the way and we're going to talk to Tiana in just a second. But I got to read her bio. We always read the guest bio. So here we go. Tiana Roser is an author, light worker and multifaceted healer. She is certified in a number of transformational practices, including Reiki, hypnosis, life between lives regression, quantum healing hypnosis technique, soul plan reading, and soul transformation therapy. Her soul's purpose is to empower people through awakening consciousness. 
She uses tools and processes to help people experience their true self, the source of real healing and growth. I agree. Tiana has recently authored the book, Awakening Transformations, A Beginner's Guide to Becoming Your Higher Self, which is an introductory portal for those new on the scene, just discovering these transformational concepts and how to really grasp at a core level this really incredible information. As a traveler of the inner and outer worlds, Tiana is passionate about exploring beyond the confines of everyday existence. And you can find her, of course, on awakeningtransformation.com. And I'll remind you of that at the end. Tiana, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> thank you for taking the time to be here, giving your energy to this podcast and these people that want to learn. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have access as a podcast host to all of my data statistics and a lot of those statistics tell me the different age ranges of the listeners. There is a large segment of the listeners to this podcast that are in the younger set that are just coming on the scene discovering this information. So I feel like your book is it's really amazing because that's kind of what it is, right? This book is the 101. If you're feeling it, you're, you want to blossom. This is something, a manual that you would need to help you get through that beginning. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's really for, you know, people of any age, because some people are awakening much later in life. And yes. that's kind of been traditionally the case where, you know, we go and we live our life and we go do our career and all of this. And then, you know, people have their families. And then when everything starts to wind down, then people go within. But what's really yeah. cool about the time that we're here on the earth now is uh, this big shift that we're going through spiritually on the planet. And so and we have all of these old souls that are coming in and awakening at much younger ages, like you're saying. And so I've really seen that in my practice over the years, that younger and younger people are getting interested in these topics. And it's very inspiring and encouraging to think that, oh, if, you know, I wish that I had awakened when I was a teenager, you know, and, right. you know, started off right fresh from the start doing, you know, spiritual practices. But anyway, we all have our journey, but it's, yeah, it's very exciting to me how many more young people are uh, awakening now. Well, like you said, it, it doesn't matter the age. Beginner just means you're starting your journey. But tell me your origin story. When did you first become aware of your abilities and your sensitivities? I love that term origin story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me feel like, oh, I'm a superhero. You are a, a superhero. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, if we're helping move humanity towards a new earth, we're all superheroes. True. Yeah, I love that perspective. Um you know, I've always been sensitive, um, but I didn't ever think of it in a spiritual way before. I just felt that I was emotionally sensitive. Okay. Um, but it wasn't till really, you know, and I, and as I tell, you know, my story in my book, um, kind of did what like many people do is you kind of live by this typical plan, right? Where you 
go to school and you try to get good grades and you work really hard and you try to uh, do all the things to get yourself into college. And then you get in college and try to get good grades again and do those activities that are going to look good to somebody so that you can get hired in that perfect job that you're supposed to do your whole lifetime, right? Uh, and I just was doing that whole path and not ever questioning it, just, okay, what's next? And then doing the next thing and then doing the next thing until finally, boom, there I was in my business job doing, you know, I thought I wanted to be this great corporate business woman. And just then you have a time to kind of just be in it. And then I realized like, I, I don't like <laughs> this isn't, you know I you know you're like working towards something without really knowing what it is right to me right. it doesn't make any sense we have it all backwards like how can we know what we want to do all of our life when you're 17 or 18 or you know even 20 there's just we have to live life and then get to know who we are to then be able to decide what path we want to take so anyway um I was working my corporate job, but I also had throughout college been working, um, you know, in hospitality and uh, I had this side job. Uh, I had I actually I was so crazy. I, I was taking um, full cor full coursework and then I had three jobs during college because it was like, oh, you should just always be doing something, you know, that kind of mentality. That's where I came from. And um, so then when I got my you know real job, it was like, well, I'll just keep one of those jobs because, you know, what else am I going to do with all this extra time? But it also was that I had this job in this um, kind of after hours uh, bar place. And that's kind of where I had also kind of gotten into some psychedelics and things like that. And this yes. is part of my journey, too, was that that really opened my eyes to this whole other reality that I hadn't realized. So I want to, I want to talk to you uh, about that really quick. I want to stop you there because sure. I thought that was an interesting part of your book because you do talk about the beginnings of your life and how you awakened in your book. And you talked about how you went to these uh, shows, concerts, raves, however you want to call them, just incredible people getting together with psychedelics. And that helped you discover this part of yourself. What were some of the psychedelics specifically and how did they help you? Yeah, it, for me, it was really uh, mostly MDMA, you know, which at the time they called ecstasy and sure, now sure. I think Molly <laughs> or there's different terms, right? Um, so supposedly I've, I've read a book on this before. I'm not sure, you know, if it's how much of it's completely accurate, but um, I'd read that Originally, even the government had thought of people will call ecstasy empathy. And at one point that maybe they were testing it out to see if it could be sort of a, a truth serum that you could give. <laughs> um, and it makes sense to me because, you know, when I was on it, you just didn't feel like there's any reason to be to, to say anything other than the truth or to be anything other than who you are. And so it was that sort of kind of that veil got lifted of just like loving myself and all that I am. And then you see everybody with kind of the most beautiful eyes. And there's this feeling of interconnectedness um, with the people around you, but also everything, you know, at this type of a rave, um, I would hear the music and then my body would dance kind of as my response to the music and everything just felt very connected. And I think up until that point, particularly in the, the corporate world. And I, I hate to, you know, if 
people are, I'm sure some of the people listening are in the corporate world and, you know, if somebody loves it, that's their path. I'm not like bashing it for everybody, but for myself, it felt very soulless, you know, and I didn't even necessarily believe in souls, but it felt very empty. Yeah. It's not fulfilling, you know? Yeah. And so, so MDMA, it just kind of, it, when I, it awakened me into like this remembrance of something like, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to just love who we are and not try to be anything other than what we are and see everybody as beautiful and feel the interconnectedness of everything around me. And so that's kind of a part of what awakened me at that time, as well as because I was very much confused, like, oh, okay, if this is what I thought I was going to do all my life and now I realize this isn't for me, then who am I and what do I want? And so this is where I started to uh, try out meditation. I do want to ask you, uh, at that point, were you in contact with your spirit guide, Will, uh, prior to your psychedelic experiences? I should back you up a little bit. That, Or was it after? That, oh man. See, now you're asking, like, I, <laughs> I don't remember I can tell you, you know, exactly timeline. I can't tell you because okay. all of this kind of happened, you know, at, at this big explosive wow. time in my life. Okay. But basically what happened. Yeah. So this is, so that was happening. Um, I was doing my corporate job during the day. And on the weekend, I would go to a rave <laughs> one, one day a week. I would kind of have this whole alternative reality that right. I was opening up to. Um, and I had always been into dreams and always had vivid dreams all my life and could remember several dreams every night. I still can. And so I was always interested in dreams. And my boyfriend at that time, he had found a book in a used bookstore on dreams and had given it to me. And it was this book that was channeled and it was channeled by this being named Seth. And there's all these, you know, books, maybe some people will be familiar there, maybe from like yes. the 60s, 70s, I think. Yeah. So the Seth material. And um, so this woman, Jane Roberts, channeled Seth and Seth was amazing. Seth is just had so much knowledge and had a way of explaining everything. So this particular book was on dreams. But I was like, man, who is this Seth? I need to. Are there other books by Seth? And so go back to that, you know, the bookstore where my boyfriend had told me he'd got the book. And I was just combing through is one of those kind of books that have all I mean, the bookstores that they used to have with just just stacks from the floor <laughs> all over. And you just go in there and you just <laughs> digging and you're moving books and and so forth. And I tried to collect all of the Seth books that I could. And I was envious of Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth. I thought, oh, my God, just just imagine having this resource that you could just ask all these questions to. And in one of the books, she explained how she first connected to Seth, which was through a Ouija board. <laughs> and, right. you know, That's everybody's right. heard about you know, scary things. And of course, in all these horror movies, you see these scary things. But I was like, well, man, if you can connect to a Seth or Seth type um, through the Ouija board, then I'm going to try it. (laughs) I'm game. And so went to Toys R Us. (laughs) So of course, that was this is before Amazon. Sure, sure, sure. Now you could just go online and, and just have it at your doorstep. But like, okay, where do I get a Ouija board? Oh, from the toy store, apparently. And it's next to all the other board games, Monopoly and right. here's the Ouija board. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and it's still, um, it's still an know. authentic one. Any spiritual person that will tell you that those Ouija boards are just as authentic and functional. 
Yeah, because really it's not about the board itself having any special powers, just like tarot cards or any type of divination. It's a way for you to connect within. It's just a, a symbol or a physical material expression of your own intuition, of your own inner connection. And that's why, you know, people in another country, they read uh, tea leaves in the cup or it doesn't matter. You can people use regular playing cards um, as uh, oracle cards because it's not that you need this special tool. It's just that the tool helps you to decipher what's coming through. Ah, and so, yeah. Right. And, and that's an important thing. And, and uh, I think that's important just in general. I mean, I feel that about any type of whether it's ritual that people go mass in church or, you know, when I teach Reiki, the attunement process, all of these things, they're symbolizing something higher. And so we don't want to get caught up in confusing the map with the territory. And so this board is the map. But the territory is our own spiritual connection. But anyway, I didn't know all of that at the time. I went, I got the Ouija board and me and my boyfriend at that time, we went to go try to use it. And I always started with the intention. I only, you know, want to connect to a loving higher being. I want to connect to my spirit, you know, wise spirit guide and please come through. And, and the thing would move, but it was just, it was just gibberish. But I was excited. Hey, it's moving. Okay, cool. Um, and then uh, we got to a point like, so I don't know, maybe that lasted for several days or something. And then we got to a point where, oh my gosh, it's actually spelling something out and we're talking to somebody. Um, and so I'm super excited. Like, oh, do you, you know, do you know me? Are, are you my guide? No. <laughs> and then, um, you know, oh, well, can you, you know, tell me the secrets of the universe? No. And it was just, it was just like this random dead guy. And it, so <laughs> uh, it wasn't like some wise spiritual being. And I think that's very important to realize because just because you're some, you're talking to a being, a disembodied being, it doesn't mean that they're a wise being or an enlightened right. being. It's very important that we learn how to discern that, right? Just like if you were just talking to some stranger off the street, you wouldn't assume one way or the other that they're very wise or they're not very wise. You have to spend time talking to them before you discern, you know, whether you want to trust them or not. Right. It's, it's just a being same. over there, essentially. Yeah. It, it could be, you don't know yet until you vibe it out, you read the energy, you read the information, then you're like, oh, okay. Or it could just be like you said, random dead guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was a random dead guy. And my boyfriend at that point was done. He's like, okay, I'm done with this. Uh, but I was encouraged. I'm like, okay, well, hey, at least we're getting actual messages through. And so when he would go to work, I'd just take the board out by myself and, and practice with it. And it got to one day where um, a being came in that um, her name was Fanny. <laughs> wow. The name was Fanny. Her name was Fanny, and um, she had just a lot of helpful things to say about um, the situation that my boyfriend was going through with his boss. 
And it was really useful and insightful. And I was like, wow, okay, this is helpful. And um, even she kind of was giving me a hard time about, you know, things that I could be better at in the relationship. And she was pretty funny too. Wow. So I was like, okay, great. And then um, when my boyfriend came home and I told him, then he, he was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. So he was back on board practicing <laughs> with me. And so Fanny would come through and cause now, you know, cause now it's interesting, right? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, there's a little spice in it. Yeah. Cause it's personal <laughs> to us. It's right. not some just random person has nothing to do with us. And she was giving some helpful information. We were asking questions and, he, and um, uh, my ex, I, I call him Max, I think, in the book. That's not his real name. He's, he would write it all down. So that was nice. Um, but I was like, well, what about me? Where's <laughs> We have Max's guide. That's nice. But I want my guide. Where's my guide? And one day my guide did come through and that's Will, as he mentioned. Will is featured throughout the book i yes. have different channeled messages from him incredible of, messages i should say chapter. oh yeah will is amazing i just oh my gosh i love him so much um he was different so from different from fanny where he would a lot of times um not give me i just wanted whereas like seth seth jane roberts's guide is amazing that he would give super detailed specific things but a lot of times early on will would kind of tell me like you need to quest for that answer he would kind of or he would sometimes speak sort of cryptically and he wanted me to develop that more within myself, particularly initially, because uh, at that point I was not meditating or anything. And so I was looking for somebody else to give me the answers, right? I was looking for Will or Fanny. I want I want you to give me the, I want you to be my Google. That was before Google existed. Right. Like, so, be my spiritual Google. Can I just ask any question and you spit out the answer for me? That's so, what I wanted. So right? you needed that catalyst. You needed some higher being that was willing to assist you to push you forward to give you that motivation to develop yourself more you're saying yeah yeah absolutely so um i you know it was sort of like an addiction at first i kept going to them and like what should i do about this what do you think about that in in going to them and then they said well you need to learn to meditate you have these answers within you right now we are holding this space. And so, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that anybody use a Ouija board. Um, there are, but there are other ones that are kind of designed because Ouija board just has some, because so many people have used it in a negative way. There is certain energy maybe that's more naturally connected to that if you don't do a lot of extra focusing and intention. That was my path. I'm not saying you sure. shouldn't or should, sure. but just to be aware of that. But they told me that they were sort of, um, they were dropping their energy down so that I could connect to them, right? Because they're at a higher vibration in order for me to be able to communicate. They're dropping the energy down and they were being like gatekeepers. They were holding the space um, protected for me, but that I needed to learn how to raise my vibration through meditation and connect to them as I raise my vibration rather than them uh, always dropping down their vibration. Wow. It's like, it's like spiritual. Well, it's a uh, powerful concept. <laughs> I mean, that's really powerful. And that's something that, you know, I haven't heard someone say in that way, really, when you raise your vibration, you're saying that's when you create the, a better interface, you're strengthening the signal. All their information is up there. So you got to get up there if you want that information. Otherwise it's a lot of work for them potentially to come down. I'm not sure, but it's better. It seems like you're saying, 
to raise your vibration and get that up so you can interface with that information and energy. Right. It's empowering, right? That we can do that within ourselves versus, you know, I don't need to be a a child being fed by my parents. I can grow up and grow into my own higher consciousness. And that's what we're all really doing. And that's why there's people that don't believe in any of this stuff because they've never experienced it. True. Because if you just stay in the 3D vibration and you don't have your upper chakras awaken, then you don't awaken those other higher senses to be able to sense and feel these things. But as you do practices that raise your vibration, then you are opening your higher senses and then you can hear or see or sense or feel these, you know, non-physical things in these higher dimensions. And so we all have that ability, but it's sort of shut off unless we do things to begin to turn it back on. And meditation is one of those ways. And of course, um, energy work is my other favorite way to kind of do that. But there's many, many, many tools. Well, yeah, you talk about it in your sampling of them. Yeah, you talk about it in your book. Actually, you outline a lot of different ways to develop those points. You know, I do want to ask you about your book a little bit. So there's a section where you talk about a journey from oneness to individuality in the beginning. So how are we, in your words, existing as both an individual and the complete oneness simultaneously? Yeah, I mean, all I can do is kind of give some sort of analogy, or I always forget what's an analogy and what's a metaphor. But anyway. <laughs> me too. Hey, me too. Don't feel bad, please. That's, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why um, in the book, I sort of use... You know, my body is an example of like, if, 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 if your body were all that is the oneness, all that is, um, whatever term you like, just think of, uh, you have these individual parts of your body and yet you have the whole body. So your, your finger is part of the oneness, the whole, you're part of your whole body, but also it has its own separate, uh, function and look and experience. And so, um, it's much like that it's that all of your body works together but there's they have different functions the experience of being my finger would be different than the experience of my elbow right Right. but they're all part of the oneness and they all work together now i have no idea if (laughs) my finger has awareness of it being a finger (laughs) and if my thumb has awareness but like you know as so as souls like i I like to look at the hand as a it's a great example because you have this whole hand and then you have these separate fingers and thumb um and so the one well so anyway the oneness wants to know itself and because it's everything um it doesn't know each individual part this is where we like duality and contrast so the oneness if my body is the oneness in order to know this hand separate it if you separate the hand away from your body now i can see it specifically and i can even notice each individual finger versus if it was like stuck to my body and I, I can't differentiate what's my finger, what's my hand, what's my body. And so the oneness wanting to know itself goes into the illusion of separateness so that it can know each specific aspect. It can know being a pinky finger, it can know being an index finger and so forth. And so we go into this game of forgetfulness and individuality so that we can experience each specific expression of it. And so we have to sort of forget that we're 
the oneness to really experience it. Like think of like, you know, you've heard this one before, like, like we're all kind of like actors, yes. you know, in a play or in yes. a movie. Right. Yes. And so the really good actors, even though, you know, this person's an actor and you've seen them in many movies, if they really get into the role, you forget like, Oh, that's, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Sure. Playing. You just like start to see it. Oh, this is this person. Um, this role. And so that's what we want to do. We want to forget our Leonardo DiCaprio ishness. And we want to go into this role uh, in this lifetime. And so each lifetime is sort of like an actor coming into a different um, movie. And um, sometimes a movie is a drama and sometimes it's a comedy or sometimes <laughs> it's a sci-fi thriller or sometimes it's a horror movie. We really it'd be really boring if it was just the same you know, plot every single time and we played the same character. So we're coming in wanting to express experience the whole all of all of the archetypes, all of the characters each time, but we have to kind of forget, like if I still in this lifetime, I've chosen a female body and I, I associate as a female, but if I remembered being a male and, you know, the last lifetime and still thought of myself very much in a masculine way, um, I might have a hard time kind of being able to really enjoy or appreciate the experience of being female and feminine. And But I chose in this lifetime to become female and feminine. And so um, it helps that I've forgotten. It's kind of like it's not really a clean slate, but it's it is from our memory, a clean slate. But of course, energetically, we bring in this karma, which is right. some unfinished. I was going to ask you about something that. we're trying to learn. And, and so we bring in that energy, even though we don't remember it, we have this energy that is drawing and attracting experiences to us so that we can work through that karma, whatever lessons that we kind of wanted to work on, because um, we can't do it all in one lifetime because there's so much. It's like just like in college, you can't take all the classes in one semester. You have to pick and choose. Okay, this semester, I'm going to focus on these classes. And then next semester, it might be something totally different. Lifetimes are like that. We right. can sometimes do, you know, sequential lifetimes and we're focusing, we're continuing the thing that we learn. Maybe I'm working on uh, expressing myself. And I did a layer of that in my last life. And in this lifetime, hey, I put a book out. Yeah. I'm on a podcast. I'm expressing myself more. Next level, you do. Right. Or I might not work on expressing myself. There might be something. Maybe I'm learning how to um, love unconditionally or something different. And so different lifetimes will focus on different lessons and experiences. Well, I noticed in your book that you said that karma is a magnet and you can transmute it through conscious practices. So the karma, mm -hmm. it's, it's like an attractive force because of previously what you did in your lives and what you're bringing to the table in this lifetime, but also just where you're at vibrationally. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I'd love to, because you know, I do past life regression and, and quantum healing hypnosis technique, which has past life regression in it as well. And some of my clients will come and say, this life has been so difficult, so hard. And so I want to go back and see what I did to deserve this. Obviously, I'm being punished for something I did in a previous life. <laughs> so I have this big thing like karma's not punishment. Karma's just energy. Right. Karma's just energy that we're, you know, or you could say even lessons are learning that we're still, it's unfinished lessons and learning. 
And um, so when we think of it, like when you think of, if you think of karma as punishment and I think like, okay, well, I betrayed you in my last lifetime. That means I'm going to experience a lifetime of being betrayed. That's kind of the way that some people look at karma, but it, it doesn't have to it be that way. Now it's in our energetic system. And if I'm not aware that I can transmute karma, then the way that people normally do is we just live it out, right? So it's in my energetic system. So I'm drawing and attracting people and experiences that reflect this energy so that I can work through it outwardly in my relationships, in my work and so forth, in my outer experiences. That's the way that most people work through karma. But uh, because it's energy that we're trying to learn or understand from, you could also do different spiritual practices. You could connect to that energy and recognize it within yourself. You know, particularly things like a shadow work is really great and meditation. And I could see, I could, or I could have a past life regression and realize, oh, I betrayed you in past life. Oh, I need to, you know, release that and forgive <laughs> and let it go. And then I don't have to, then it, it transmutes through my awareness, through getting the gift of whatever I needed to learn from that, then it transmutes. And, and then it's no longer, it's shifted in my energy system. And I'm no longer attracting it because I already got the gift and the blessing of it. And so we can transmute karma moment by moment. We don't have to live it out, but we live things out if we're not conscious and that's, that's acceptable, but it's not as fun, right? right. <laughs> because right. then we don't, we're like, oh, it just seems like, oh, why does this keep happening to me? Why do people keep betraying me? You know, I'm such a nice person and yet I keep getting betrayed and I don't realize that, oh, I'm carrying it in my energy and I'm supposed to learn something from it. I will feel like a victim. And so that's what happens a lot of times until we have this self-awareness, we could feel very victimized by life and not recognize um, the opportunity to learn or grow. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not saying that, of course, um, trauma happens and we can be victims in life, but the way that we can become empowered through that is through our inner awareness. Right. And also just getting it done with here. Like, why do you want to bring this stuff with you to your next life? If you can understand the techniques and the processes to work through that karma and you raise your awareness to that level, get it done. Like, just get it done. Why, I'm, you know? I'm like totally on the same page with you. I'm like, I'm not repeating this grade. I want to move. I want to graduate and move on to the next grade. I don't want to do the same, you know, yeah. lesson over and over again. So I'm the same way. Well, you, know? you talk about reincarnation in your book, and I'd like for you to touch on the concept of baby souls, because you talked about old souls, but I'd like you to talk about baby souls and just kind of their selfishness and what's the root of all that is. So, you know, and we're just people remember, like, this is just kind of a way for our brains to grasp it. We don't really want to, you know, categorize people. Right. But if it just helps to kind of think in this linear time fashion that we do and we think of our own evolution as a human being and we started off as babies and then we grew into children and we went through teenagers and then became young adults and so forth. And so we all understand that kind of evolution because we all live it. We can't help but do that while we're here on the planet. So in the same way, if we kind of just apply that framework to our soul's evolution. Um, so when we, 
you know, when the oneness wants to know itself better and it splits off, uh, it's still connected, but, you know, in this uh, as a soul, then we go first from the being aware of being the oneness into complete forgetfulness that we're the oneness. And this is what we mean kind of by a baby soul is that we go from the remembrance of being oneness into the illusion of separation. And it's all part of the plan, part of the journey. And so we've all been baby souls and there's no, just like we've all, I'm always telling this to my clients, just like we've all been babies in diapers and we're not embarrassed that at one point somebody cleaned up after us and fed us and all of this. There's no embarrassment about having been a baby soul. We've all been baby souls where we didn't remember that we were connected and that there's oneness. And so in that awareness, then it is a dog eat dog world from that perspective, right? You and I are separate and have nothing to do. And so there's this idea of limitation, right? There's limited resources. And so you and I need to fight over those resources and I need to just look after myself for survival. And so that, that level of awareness um, is that kind of survival needs level of awareness. So of course we're going to be selfish because I just want to survive. And so uh, again, it's like not, there's no, judgment. Once we realize these are all parts of the journey stages that we go through, just like I said, there's no judgment that we were babies once, there's right. no judgment that we were baby right. souls. So we were all, we've all been selfish. We've all been, you know, sometimes my clients come in and they're like, oh, I hope I wasn't bad in a past <laughs> life. And I just, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you were to break it to you. Right. Yeah, we all were, but you won't, you know, you won't go back there if, if, you know, if you're not, comfortable, if you're not ready to see. And a lot of times at the point that somebody comes to do, you know, past life regression, they've already worked through a lot of all that baby soul stuff. And so most of the time, there's no reason for us to go back to those lives because we've already processed it. We've moved on much further. And so why revisit it? Your soul never is trying to like make you feel bad and be like, oh, look what you did. No, you've already worked through all of that. (laughs) And so there's no reason to kind of go back there for the most part. That awareness you would say though, could help you process experiences where maybe someone is rude or belligerent to you. And maybe you're wondering why they're so underdeveloped when they're a light being just like you are, but you really, uh, wrote this really cool part of your book that I want to quote here. It says, don't judge people that aren't at the same level of awareness as you and assume they're at the same level. Try not to assume grade level. So like that, I I thought that was (laughs) really interesting because I I'm guilty of that myself because like I try to maintain a loving frequency, a loving vibration and really just an openness and, and non-judgment. And when I experience that in my outer world, you know, I'm like, wait, why, why aren't you there? Like, I thought you were there. Aren't we all there? Like, Exactly. I did that myself. And that's why um, that's why one of the times uh, my soul brought me back to a life where I was like really not a good person uh, to show me, to let me feel and experience. And in that lifetime, um, I, you know, in this lifetime, I'm very sensitive and very connected to my emotions and I can feel other people's emotions. And in that lifetime that I was brought back to, I really, I couldn't feel my own emotions. I couldn't feel other people's emotions. So yeah, I was just doing things, you know, I I can't 
tell, I didn't know how it's affecting people. I don't even feel the things that, you know, in that life. And it really helped me to have this, oh, this awareness, this aha moment of like, okay, we're not all, yeah, we're not all experiencing things from the same way because yeah, in this lifetime, yeah, I used to get to where I'd be like, how can people be like that? How can, <laughs> how can, don't they care about other people? And right. realizing like, oh, they're not, they don't have that sense. And, and it's not fair to expect from other people. We're all here on a different path. Yes. We don't know what path the other person is here. What, you know, you don't know what coursework they signed up for this semester, right? You don't know what <laughs> classes they might be acing exactly what they came to, you know, what they came to work on was how to achieve and they're achieving a lot. Um, you know, they're not maybe sensitive to their emotions, but they're achieving a lot. And that was what they came in in this. Like, we don't know. Or, Maybe they were supposed to come in and learn some emotional sensitivity. Maybe they're not. We don't get to know that, right? So we can only like to try to tune into ourselves and determine, oh, what did I come in to focus on in this lifetime? And am I on track or how can I get better on track? Let everybody else, everybody's got the soul. Everybody's got spirit guides. Everybody's got their own evolutionary path. Let them focus on that and you focus on you. And that way we won't be projecting stuff and judging each other um, based on you know, inaccurate information. Right. And that's what you talk about in your book about knowing yourself, which is a foundational spiritual principle. And really, I think there's a little confusion there. And and please tell me what you think. I think that people think that when you say know yourself in a general sense to people that maybe don't study spirituality or metaphysics or these wonderful concepts, they think it's about their habits their likes, their dislikes, you know, what clothes they like to wear, things like that. And they're like, oh yeah, of course I know myself. I know exactly what I like, but that's not what it's about at all. So can we talk about that a little bit? What do you think that means knowing yourself? Yeah, I use capital S versus a small <laughs> S. Hmm. And so, you know, small, small S, um, when people say things like what you're saying, like, oh, I like this or I like that. Um, that's their personality or their ego self. Right. That's the self from this lifetime. But the capital S self, your true self is your eternal self across all of your lifetimes, your divine self. And that's the self I'm talking about knowing because, yeah, our, you know, my, I'm going to change bodies or forms lifetime to lifetime. And yeah, maybe I like chocolate ice cream in this <laughs> lifetime and maybe I'm lactose intolerant in another lifetime. That's really not the case of what we're talking about. If, if you get to know your eternal self, your true self, then that is the trustworthy self that you can guide you, that you can um, follow because, yeah, I think that it's important for people to discern even when we're channeling and when we're going inside and which part of me is talking right now? Is this a subpersonality aspect of myself, like my fears, my worries, or is this my higher divine self? Because we want to be guided by the highest aspect of ourself, right? right. Because that's the part that's going to be wise and loving, not be guided by the survival needs aspect of ourself. 
and unless we're in that situation where we need to survive, um, <laughs> certainly that's so just being able to know all that we have, we're multifaceted beings, yes. we have all these different aspects of self and we can love yeah. and accept all of them and tap into the one, the parts that are needed in this moment in this experience, um, but not by making, you know, so when I'm saying know your divine self, but I'm not making my human self bad or wrong, but my divine self should be the captain of the ship or the CEO of the company. And these other aspects of myself, they can be, you know, the VP of bodily <laughs> affairs and <laughs> the VP of, you know, whatever. That's a um, wonderful way to put it because it helps people understand it. And really, like you said, it's an awakening transformation. This is just happening. It's awakening transformation individually, but there's a shift coming. There's an awakening transformation for all of humanity. And I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what your spirit guide will told you about the shift. Yeah. I've gotten so many wonderful messages from him over the years. In fact, a lot of the things when I first was opening to spirit, this was in the late nineties, a long time ago. Um, and just think of like how much our world has changed since then. Oh my God. And think of like how there's been some really crazy uh, shifts, things that we never would have thought were possible. I mean, particularly of course, in the last couple of years. Right. But even before then there were times when things have really changed. And so when I was first getting these messages that this big shift and transformation is happening on the planet, Things had seemed pretty much, oh, it's it's always been the same way and things, you know, I, I want to believe that. But can I really believe that? Because it looks pretty much the same as all my life, you know, and so I was getting these messages, but wasn't necessarily seeing it reflected out um, in the world. And now, of course, now, 20 years later, yeah, you can see it all happening but um, it's really about this, you know, your inner light awakening and um, uh, opening to our divine aspect and, and being able to, you know, that we came on the planet to, or, you know, at least some of us did to be light workers, to you know, embody this light and, and help to birth this new planet, this new earth that's coming. And so it was very encouraging and exciting. And at that time I wanted to believe it, but wasn't sure yet. And then over the years, I had accumulated all these messages that Will had given me. And Will had always told me that these messages were not just for myself, but of course I didn't feel comfortable for so long to really come out of my own spiritual closet and, you know, tell people I speak to spirits. Like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? Uh, you know, but there's, over the years, just on the planet, as the planet is collectively awakening, all of these things have become much more known and commonplace and popularized and right. through the internet, people are sharing these things. And then also just through my own evolution, I became much more comfortable in my skin being a spiritual being. And so finally, it got to this point where, yes, it's time to share this and to share these, you know, cause Will is so wonderful and how am I just keeping him to myself? It's not really right. Yeah. Well, but, and it's really um, good information that he puts forth in your book. Every chapter has some great guidance from Will and, and in your book, you know, we talk about these spirit guides. There's a whole section people 
if you're new to this, to how you can connect with your higher self and spirit guides. It's, it's, it's in her book. There's really amazing techniques and really some of the bigger concepts that are uh, at the forefront of metaphysical and spiritual thinking right now are our shadow work. And of course, forgiveness is always there, but shadow work is really a big focus right now. I hear it more than I have previously as a person that's been really focused on this type of information. So for people Likewise. that don't, yeah, for people that don't know that have never heard this concept, because you brought it up earlier in the podcast, what is shadow work? Why is it important to accept these shadow aspects of ourselves? Great question. When people first hear the term shadow work, I think a lot of times people think like evil, yeah. right? You think like, oh, shadow work is something about evil, working with evil. Um, but people, I think it's mostly agreed that maybe Carl Jung was the one that sort of popularized, maybe he coined it or maybe he popularized the term, the shadow to mean the um, aspects of ourself that we haven't come to accept um, and to integrate. So again, like think of if we are the oneness, if we are everything. So, and we go through all these different lifetimes where, like I said, one time um, I'm the villain and one time I'm the savior and one time I'm the victim. And so played all these roles. So I'm all of these things and I'm none of these things. Right. And shadow work is to go and tune in and find out the parts of ourselves that we most resist or don't accept and to do work to accept it, to see it and accept it. Because when we go in and say, I am that, and I accept that, anything, any quality, if we can go and do that, then we no longer have a resistance to it. We're so, we're so used to thinking, um, I am a mother or I am a hard worker or I am kind. And so we start to associate certain things, which is fine. But if we are, you know, tightly attached to that identity, I am a hard worker. So I always have to be working hard. And so then we're like resisting like, hey, sometimes I'm lazy, sometimes, I, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. Um the aspects, the disowned aspects of ourself that we're not owning, um, then it becomes our shadow. And that's so the shadow, what happens is if I don't own it within myself and it's in my shadow, it's in my unconscious, but I still am that. But if I'm resisting that, so like for me, one of my shadow aspects was uh, my anger, um, because when I was young, I had these temper tantrums. I got really angry. And then I was taught like, oh, no, you know, that uh, there's a story in there about <laughs> I was taught how trolls come and take these yes. little girls away. That gets, yes. I was like, OK, and you were scared. And anymore. your sister was sleeping like a baby and you were scared, terrified, waiting for these yeah. trolls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> after that, I learned like, oh, OK, it's not it's not a good idea to be very emotional. You know, that's a bad thing. And so then, um, but of course we still get angry, but like then if I'm not owning or accepting that I could get angry because that's wrong and bad, then it gets pushed really deep, even hidden from myself. So people, we, everyone has shadow aspects that, you know, some of them we're aware of and we're just trying to hide them from everybody else, or some of them are really hidden from ourselves, and we don't see it within ourselves, and we think it's wrong and we think it's bad. And yet then 
So just imagine you're pushing it down, like I'm pushing down my anger and I'm, I'm so pushing it down so much. I'm not even aware of it within myself. It's like, becomes like this, it comes amplified and, you know, as what you resist persists. So as I'm pushing it down, it's actually getting stronger and it's probably getting distorted. Yeah. Cause you're adding energy to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm pushing it down. Yeah. And this pressure cooker. And so it's this powerful magnet. And so what happens is I'm attracting, you know, people can be responding to it without even understanding why, because everybody feels and senses energy, even without understanding that that's what they're reacting to. And so people could be reacting to my, you know, suppressed anger and don't know why they're acting out to me. And it's because I have it within myself. And so I'm not, if I can't see it and accept it within myself, then I'm attracting it energetically oh, to try to work through God. outside of myself. Oh my! And God. so it's very, imp- that's mind blowing. I'm sorry. I'm just a little dumb. I'm like, Whoa, you know, yeah. <laughs> mind blown. <Absolutely. laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very empowering to do this because again, otherwise we're like, Oh gosh, why are so many p- angry people coming into my life? Or why do people respond? I'm, I'm being so kind, but they respond like this, not realizing it's my own energy and recognizing uh-huh. that I have the power to shift that. But the, and the other issue too, is like, so I disown it from myself and then I project it and judge it on other people because I don't allow myself to be angry. So when somebody else's gets, gets to be angry and I don't, then I'm really resentful, right? Like, Oh, what's wrong with those angry people? And I'm judging them. So we tend to do that with our shadow aspects. And then also going back to that pressure cooker inside because it's amplified everything. Then a lot of times we're attracting and are magnetizing just kind of like extreme versions of that energy versus if I had let that anger flow, you know, I could work with it in a regular normal flow, but because I've pushed it down and it's become this like super magnet, then I will kind of attract like really big, obvious examples or expressions of that energy. So I'm forced to see it. And so it's just really powerful to do shadow work because you are now being able to, again, um, be in charge of your own experience instead of just unconsciously attracting a lot of things to you and not realizing why. And also it's very freeing. Yeah. I was going to say it releases this energy, all that energy is pent up. And once it's released, off you go with all this new reservoir of energy to manifest things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so draining, exhausting (laughs) to have to hide and push down all these aspects of ourselves. But we all do it. We're we're all guilty of it in mm -hmm. some form or or some way because it's part of the Mm -hmm. human experience. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that shadow aspects can also be things that we would normally see as good as well. So not just, you know, embarrassing things like, you know, negative type of emotions and things like that, but my shadow aspect could be my light, right? I could be afraid to accept that I'm this beautiful divine being because now I'm afraid that I'm going to have to be seen as perfect, or I could be, um, not owning my creativity. And I'm saying like, oh, you're so creative. I wish I could be creative like you and not recognizing, oh, I have my own way of being creative. Maybe I don't paint pictures, but I come up with lots of new ideas and and perspectives or whatnot. So our shadow is just as much could be some kind of, you know, positive light aspects as the not as comfortable 
That's incredible information. And like you mentioned in your book, you said, quit trying to be perfect. It's, it's, it's like this thing. It's like you, you, there's this expectation when you develop yourself. There is kind of a duty, I would say, to become a leader in a, in a way, to amplify and resonate those love frequencies when you develop yourself. Um, but you don't have to be perfect. It's not like you're this perfect yeah. individual. Like you just have to correct as you go. The, the, the spiritual rocket is fired. If it's off course, correct it, but, but quit trying to be perfect. As you said. Yeah. Cause you'll see this in, in the spiritual community in the spiritual field, the ones that are like trying to be perfect, they come, it's not authentic. It's not embodied. It's not genuine and you can feel that sort of kind of superficiality of somebody playing a role versus uh it's when you're really comfortable in your own skin recognizing i'm perfectly imperfect or i'm imperfectly perfect whichever way you want to look at i don't i don't know who came up with the there's somebody came up with the um expression you are both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time and i love that that's Basically, you know, our divine self is perfect, but we've come into this human experience and the human expression, which will be imperfect. And we've come into this human experience to learn through trial and error, which means that we just got to try something and experience it. We're going to make some mistakes, but they're not really mistakes because each experience gives you more awareness of what you want or what you don't want. And so you're constantly learning through those experiences. So they're all part of our growth trajectory. When you hit that perfection point, there's no more room for growth. Then the fun's gone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's what I try to tell my clients, because this is so pervasive, this perfectionism and how it's, it's just ruining people's lives, trying to be perfect. And so I tell people like, if you came in and knew how to do everything perfect and you did everything perfect all your life, your life would be just a flat line. Basically, you wouldn't grow at all. What would be the point? It would be like being a robot, basically robot that's living out its programming. But no, you came in not remembering, not knowing so that you could try different things out, experience them, figure it out as you go along. So if we could just focus on growth rather than perfection because deep inside that's our deepest desire is to grow to shift to evolve in some way it feels good when we have grown in whatever way everybody really underneath it all wants to grow and so focusing on growth rather than perfection yes life is for expansion and fuller expression and we're living beings so we're constantly expanding we're constantly growing that is literally the point of life look at the universe it's constantly expanding it's constantly growing you want to be in harmony with the universe that's where you have to be at uh there's one concept though that i felt like even though i've been very versed in this type of information for quite some time i still didn't see this information through this filter and it's the concept of energy hygiene which i thought was so cool in your book and it's very important and you talk about being grounded and i want to ask you about this so you've been to these concerts and these raves and you've had powerful psychedelic experiences there and you notice that people when they're under the influence of these substances they're high they have crystals sometimes to help ground them They're dancing. I I don't know if you've seen this. I know I've seen this quite a bit, but they'll have like a crystal with them, you know, like a quartz or something to be dancing and they use it as a tool for grounding. But would you say that the physical body 
is the rock that we hold as spiritual beings to stay grounded in this dimension. Yes, our physical body is the the best grounding tool that you have. You know, our physical body can only be in as, as far as right now in this point, maybe at one point we'll be able to teleport or whatever. But <laughs> as we speak now, <laughs> um, our physical body can only be in the present moment, but our emotional body can take us out of this moment and our mental body. That's where most people are getting the most ungrounded is so like we're thinking like, oh, what do I got to do next? What if this happens? What if, what if, what if? And so our mind is taking us out of this moment. And then, of course, our spiritual body can take us out into the cosmos, into other realms. And so our physical body is the only one that has to stay present. Uh-huh. And so for me, groundedness is staying present here on Earth being keeping your awareness with your body staying here connected to mother earth and so um it's yeah you're taking care of your body first of all just kind of all the things your old school doctor would tell you to start off is just like the base foundation is like are you getting enough sleep are you eating healthy vibrant foods are you drinking enough water are you exercising are you being out in nature and fresh air. So doing those things for your body, but you know, any kind of mind body practice like yoga or meditative martial arts or mindfulness meditation, because there's so many kinds of meditation and I love all of them, but particularly for grounding, it's got to be mindfulness meditation, which is to be very aware in your body. So letting all of your senses activate and really listen for all the sounds or see all the colors or whatnot. We're usually are, we're filtering out so much of that information, but if we like really amplify just our physical body senses, then we're calling back all of our energy to our body. So our body is like, Uh. think of a tree. A tree has this wonderful root system that keeps it uh, stabilized and supported. And so when the storm comes and knocks the tree around, the roots keep it from toppling over and our, Bot physical body is doing that for our energetic system. So if our energetic system was like this tree, um, our physical body is like that root system that helps keep us stabilized and supported. So particularly when people are going uh, through a spiritual journey and spiritual awakening and all of these types of things that are bringing us in higher and higher vibrations, um, you need to have your feet touching the ground while your head is in the stars. If you, right. you know, you've probably met these people, you know, they used to call them the airy fairies, <laughs> the people that are just so spacey and they're like, namaste, love right. and light, but they're not like really present here. And they're not, they don't feel like real people, just like those perfectionists don't feel like real authentic, you know, these kind of like Stepford type people. They've gone um, too far into one polarity <laughs> is really the deal. And so, yeah. The, the, what's what's the point? Why would you be on if, if you if you want to just be in the spirit realm, then why would you incarnate? You incarnate because you're trying to embody your spiritual self here on the planet. And so I used to do all the, just these practices to try to leave my body. <laughs> it's like, oh, so beautiful up there. Oh, why do I have to come back here? Look at how everybody's <laughs> being in this world. You know, it's like um, but that's not the path, right? Because what happens is then we kind of just really have that dualistic split uh, perspective of like, oh, spiritual practices where 
I get to be in the love and the light. And then earth is this horrible, difficult place. Well, that's not what we came. We came in to bring more light on the planet, yes. to shift the vibration on the planet and bring heaven to earth. And so we really need to, people talk so much about ascension, but we also need the embodiment piece is very important. We got to embody. That's why I wrote the uh, subtitled a beginner's guide to becoming your higher self. We have to, we're not just trying to like talk to our higher self and it's up there off in the ethers. No, I'm here to embody my higher self. I'm here to think and express and experience as my wise divine self, my loving divine self here on the planet. This whole energetic hygiene piece, I didn't actually, I'm, I really, I, I emphasize that a lot, like when I teach Reiki Kung Ho for it, but I was only, I didn't start doing it regularly, just maybe like three or four years ago, I started to do it daily. And this is why I like to call it energetic hygiene, because I knew about grounding before and I knew about clearing my aura and protecting my aura, but I used to do them more, um, something would happen and my energy would feel off. Okay. I need to ground more or I need to clear my aura, but when you think of it as hygiene, it's like, I always use like dental hygiene, right? Like every day I brush my teeth. I don't just brush my teeth when I get a toothache. I brush my teeth every day to prevent getting a toothache. And we need to do this energetic hygiene in the same way, not just in response to feeling off balance, but uh, if we do it every day, it keeps us balanced and supported. And it's so important now because we're going through very destabilizing times and the old systems are unraveling and they need to unravel because they weren't, you know, created necessarily in the highest good. And we're shifting and we're awakening. And so we need new systems that support the awareness that we have now that are good for the collective. And so, you know, we're in a time, it's probably going to be a long time. We don't really know of destabilization. And so the before we used to get our sense of grounding externally, right? Like, oh, I work at the same company for 30 years or whatever, or um, I've lived in this house for all of my life, or this is my best friend since childhood. And, you know, this is my life partner. And so all of these outward things gave us that stability, that grounding that helped us to feel supported. But now everything is shifting so quickly, you know, as we need it to, but that means that um, that can feel very destabilizing to people and they can feel really off balance. So we have to find our grounding and our stability from within ourselves. And so these energetic hygiene practices are practices that help us to have that stability, to have that support. The only thing that we really have control over is our energetic <laughs> body, is our aura, and you know, everything else out there. Um, who knows what's going to happen, but how can we you know, maintain a sense of sanity and stability is to become empowered to manage our energetic system. And really part of that energy hygiene is forgiveness, forgiving yourself. We talked about that for a second, but I want to go back to that, forgiving yourself, forgiving others. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you accept what they did or allow it. You're just releasing a blockage in yourself that's actually holding yourself back, a person back. Would you say that that's true, that forgiveness is a huge part of energy hygiene? 
Sure. It's one of the many, many things. Yeah. Forgiveness is probably, you know, I think I say in there, um, one of the most powerful healing tools, you know, love and forgiveness. These are the things that are, you know, and compassion. These are some of the most powerful healing tools, because like you said, I think people get really uh, stuck when they think about forgiveness, because they think that there's, or maybe they don't think this, they feel that, if I forgive this person, I'm condoning what they did, but forgiveness isn't about that at all. You know, I, I always get this. I don't get this quite right, but like <laughs> somebody said something like as far as, you know, cause we hold this bitterness inside. It was like this poison that you meant for your enemy, but you took it yourself instead. And so when we're holding on to resentment towards someone or something that happened, um, the other person might not know at all. It's not affecting them at all. It's it, we are harming ourselves, right? Because we're carrying this poison within us. Forgiveness is how we clear that poison out from within us. It doesn't change the other person. You know, if we go back to karma, the other person has energy that is un you know, healed or unresolved, that they still have things to learn from the karma from that experience, whatever it was, they will carry with them that they need to work through whenever that might not be in this lifetime. And that's why we have to let go of that idea that, you know, they have to get what's coming to them for me to feel better for me to be feel free. That might not happen, but if you understand spiritually how things work, you can trust and know energy is always fair. The universe, they have their side that they need to learn, but they don't have to learn it with you. You know, I don't have to, we, we often do come back into another lifetime to try to work through that again with that same soul, but I could, clear that I could shift that through forgiveness. I release that cord, that attachment that I'm holding on to an anger or resentment or whatever, that's actually hurting me. And I release it. And then they will have to learn that lesson with somebody else, but I have cleared it and released it. And I've released that poison out of my system. And yes, it's very freeing and empowering to do that. And it's just like the shadow work. It releases that energy. You know, the shadow work mm -hmm. is things within yourself. The forgiveness is things that are outside of yourself. You do the shadow work, you get forgiveness, man. Think about the amount of energy that is freed up at that point. And really you talked about bringing heaven to earth. And that, that seems like the, the biggest mission of all humanity right now. The ultimate goal is really bringing heaven to earth and, and creating this beautiful united world. And is that what would happen if all humans activated and, and got in touch with the divine aspects of themselves? Would we then step into that higher octave of existence? Yeah, I believe so. If we all embodied our higher self. So it's not enough just to, but it's okay. It's all going to, you know, who knows how many <laughs> lifetimes when that will happen. Uh, that's okay. That's the journey that we're on. But yes, if not just we contact that divine aspect, but we need to, again, embody it. That's how we are anchoring it here on the planet. Right. That's how we anchor it. And so you know, first we connect to it and that's great. But like, we can all, you can think of like, oh yes, I read a book on unconditional love that doesn't. And I understand unconditional love, but just because I read a book and I understand doesn't mean I'm actually living a life of unconditional love. Just like I could read a book on how to surf, not the same. I can understand all the <laughs> mechanics, but until I get on that surfboard and I can stay up, uh, it's not the same. Right. And so we have to embody our higher self here on the planet. And then once we do that, then that's when the magic happens, which seems like 
our destiny as humans. It seems like that is where we are going. And this is just the process, what we're experiencing, what we're teaching people. It's the road to heaven on earth, you could say. But Tiana, I do want to thank you for your time. You've been an incredible guest. This has been an amazing episode. So much information. I do want to tell people where to find you. Uh, They can find you at awakeningtransformation.com. And she has services that you can take part in. Hypnosis, past life regression, Reiki classes. All of that is available There's coaching, there's Zoom Reiki classes, and of course the book, Awakening Transformation, A Beginner's Guide to Becoming Your Higher Self, that's available on Amazon and also on her website. So if you're interested in this, you're hearing this and and you're resonating with this information because maybe you're a younger human or maybe you're just a beginner no matter where you're at you could be 99 years old 199 years old it doesn't matter if you're resonating with this information check this book out i read this book it's absolutely incredible i give it a my highest recommendation and tiana before we go is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with any uh parting words of uh of positive energy Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I guess, you know, just to enjoy the journey. I think that's an important piece. Like, you know, we can get really like bogged down and take it so seriously. But, um, you know, as when you read the book and you read like Will's messages, there's a lightness. I think that's what a lot of feedback I've got from people. They're like, oh, I really appreciate the lightness that comes through. Because some of these, like we talk about shadow work, right? Some of these are forgiveness. Some of these are kind of heavy topics. But then actually, uh, we once we understand, oh, we're just all figuring out here together, we can um, play and enjoy the process. And I think play is such an important uh, thing that's undervalued. Um, to me, play is anything that you do just for the enjoyment. So, so our spiritual journey doesn't have to be trying to just achieve some you know goal to get to some spot. No, just enjoy the experience, let it unfold, and and it's it's magical when we do that. Yes, and people, if you're hearing this, like I said, and you want that manual that just really outlines all of these really big concepts the heavy concepts like she was saying, but the lighter stuff that Will's talking about, please get this book. Tiana, thank you so much for being here. Please hold through the outro music and everyone. What an episode. That was so amazing. That was like a power download. You're probably going to have to listen to it like three or four times. Come back and listen to it. You'll get more out of it every single time you listen to it. And we'll see you next week. Midnight on earth.